And welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pure Opelka Podcast, Saturday, the 12th of August. How about that? We're already at the 12th of August. And I don't have a radio show tonight because of the Philadelphia Phillies. They bumped me. How dare they? But we're going to try and get you some of the information that I would have covered tonight on the uh, podcast here, as opposed to the radio show there. But I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad I'm here. And Dr. Roizen will be joining us, and Jim Stovall will be joining us. It is going to be a crowded little podcast here. And we're going to open up with what happened this afternoon in Iowa. Donald Trump, former President Trump, maybe future President Trump, yeah, he was there. He was at the Iowa State Fair, biggest crowd they've ever had, according to the former president. And he was mingling and rubbing elbows with the farmers. What did you just say to the president? So uh, President Trump had pork producers in the Oval Office more than any other president. He was very supportive of, of farmers uh, that, that produce the food that we need in America. It's such a crucial time right now in America. This country is uh, facing food shortage and China coming over. You've been a big supporter of the farmers here in Iowa. I've always been, and we have the caps, and we uh, say make the farmers great again. We actually changed our little friend, make the farmers great, and I've been for ethanol where others haven't, and uh, we're with it, and we're the, with you guys with the pork, because I like it. We, we, we all like it. We like the job you do, too. You're great. Thank you, man. He's standing right in front of the pork chop on a stick booth right there at the Des Moines, Iowa, Iowa State Fair event. And uh, Mr. Trump continued through the crowd. So this is the biggest crowd they've ever had, and I'm honored by it. I heard they set a record, which was announced actually a long time ago. And I'm very honored by it. And they say there's one reason for it. And uh, you know what the real reason is? They want to see our country be great again. It's not for me. It's for they want to see our country be great again because this country is going down the tubes. It's going to hell. And we don't want to, we're not going to stand for it, right? Yes, sir. Huh? Where is the pool camera? I think it's great. I think it's uh, a real honor to be here. All right, let me just move this gentleman a little bit. They asked Mr. Trump to uh, address the press pool camera because they don't have all the cameras from all the networks. It would make it impossible. They feed the same audio and video to everybody. Here's a little more. It's a real honor to be here. We have a record that was set. The record is the largest crowd they've ever had, and I can see that because you can't get any more people here. But I just, uh, I'm very honored by it. It's a tremendous thing to watch this and to see this. Now, we do have a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day in Iowa, but this is a record crowd. They've never had anything even close, so I'm very happy by it. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Thank you very much. Yeah, he had a good day. And I know there's footage from Nikki Haley and uh, some of the weird stuff that went on with people trying to interrupt things and blow whistles like they're petulant children. I'm assuming those were Democrats. Oh, by the way, Donald Trump did post on uh, Truth Social, uh, see you on Twitter very soon. They call it X now. I'll always call it Twitter. <laughs> he posted that uh, middle of the day today on Truth Social. I think that's a good thing. I do hope he returns to his uh, Twitter profile. Uh, they were talking with the former president about some of the stuff that was coming out, all the indictments against him. Uh, number four will probably come out early next week. 
And uh, someone said, hey, will you take a plea deal? Is there any Florida delegation is there, a for your governor? Is there any chance you take a plea deal in Georgia? We did nothing wrong. He called the guy a wise guy for asking the question. I guess that's fair because, you know, you had Joe Biden giving uh, Peter Ducey the business. And uh, Ducey just asked a legitimate question. But Mr. Trump was responding to kind of an attempt at a gotcha question. From this guy. <laughs> oh, it's good to have him back on the campaign trail. And judging from uh, the uh, the statement yesterday out of Washington, D.C., from the trial judge in the January 6th hearing, I think he's going to be fairly able to address everything. He's only going to have a couple of places where he can't tell the people what he's witnessed. I, and now the other topic, the uh, the appointment of the special counsel, David Weiss, U.S. attorney, which actually breaks the law. Uh, U.S. Code 600.3, I think, is the exact location that says the requirements for a, um, a special counsel include the person cannot be a current employee of the U.S. government. But, you know, there's not going to be anyone enforcing that because Garland put this out there. Jonathan Turley was on uh, Fox last night responding to a lot of the issues around this craziness, this special counsel. And I think this is my favorite line of his. You know, I'm trying to digest all of this. This is the U.S. attorney, Jonathan, who was agreeing to this plea deal that a judge essentially blew up because she found inside this broad immunity that the prosecution and defense were not talking about. That's right. And that that deal has been really ridiculed quite universally as a sort of a sweetheart deal. He just had two whistleblowers testify in Congress saying that the investigation itself was fixed. And so for many people, this is like solving the mutiny on the bounty by making Captain Bly an admiral. I mean, it it doesn't address the underlying problem. I mean, he's been accused of an investigation where the Bidens were tipped off, where crimes were allowed to expire without any explanation. Um, he came up with relatively minor charges while there were felonies out there that could have been charged. So the question is, why would you appoint this person a special counsel when you're supposed to appoint a special counsel who's unassailable, someone often outside the Department of Justice, and instead you appoint the person who's been the subject of these investigations? Yes, like, like naming Captain Bly an admiral in the middle of mutiny on the bounty. Very good, very good. Uh, Jonathan Turley, I think we're going to be seeing a whole lot of him as all these trials happen. And then, meanwhile, over at CNN and MSNBC, uh, they were just, well, here's Dana Bash from yesterday. Uh, back here, Elliot, I, I want to ask you about, well, there are so many things yeah. here, but, but first just about uh, what is going to happen now. Right. Let's start with David Weiss himself. He is the special counsel, as I mentioned, the, uh, well, the attorney general says explicitly, we have here in the supporting documents, that this is uh, happening, the special counsel, uh, idea of a special counsel is happening because David Weiss, who is now the special counsel, asked for it. Um, be, given what happened in that courtroom, and frankly, what a mess it was, 
Does it surprise you that he is still in charge of this case? No, it doesn't surprise anybody because it's all about blocking, about blocking David Weiss from testifying in front of Congress. But let's hear what CNN's legal expert, Elliot, has to say. It's not. Look, anybody who's been an attorney or federal prosecutor has had something blow up with, with the defense where... Nothing as big as the president's son's case, which totally got blown out of the water, though, Elliot Williams. Nice try. You thought you had an agreement going into court. Everybody was fine. You shook hands on it, and then you get in there, and just you sort of misunderstood each other. So that's, that's not that alarming. No, that's from Newsbusters. They, they pulled that clip for us. That's excellent. It is that alarming. It's very alarming. This is a big stinking deal. And I do hope that now some of those in the media are starting to see that they were hornswoggled. They were tricked by uh, the left on all of this. We'll, we'll get to that. There's going to be so much more to come out of this and uh, so, much, so much more for us to poke fun at. But I would like to see some real justice done, although I don't know if that's even possible. If the statute of limitations has expired, Uh, We're not going to be able to get anything done. Maybe it will force Joe Biden to actually hold a press conference. I guess you saw him sprinting out of the White House last night, not not taking a single question, not even moving his head. Just eyes forward. Keep marching. Keep marching. Square your shoulders towards the helicopter. Keep marching, sir. Yeah, he's um, he's not really all there as we saw uh, yesterday as well, when uh, he said this. And, uh, and now my, I have a, a bunch of grandchildren. They all have Secret Service, and my daughter has Secret Service. And, you know, it's, it's just wonderful. <laughs> but he no longer has six grandchildren or seven, as he has recognized the, uh, the illegitimate daughter of Hunter Biden, Navy, who's about to be five, I think. Uh, Does she have Secret Service protection? You have a bunch of grandchildren, but do they all have Secret Service protection? I doubt it, sir. I doubt it. We shall see. We'll keep an eye on that. And then there's Kamala, who's she was in Chicago yesterday saying a whole bunch of stupid things. No shock there. But also being interviewed by Al Sharpton. Hmm. And... um, she was asked about being a role model. People watch what you do to see if it lines up with what you say. <clears throat> Did you hear Sharpton's response? Not even a word, just a, Ugh. I'm serious, that, that's crazy. Let's hear that again. But the thing about being a role model, people watch what you do to see if it lines up with what you say. <clears throat> no, it doesn't line up. You and Joe, nothing you've said lines up. Nothing. Because you've said that Binomics is working. It's not. People are paying 16% more during the Binomics era than they did during the Trump economy. Hmm. We should just keep that. Hmm. Inflation is, is, is really hammering people. Families are spending $709 per month more than they did two years ago. That truly should be... Uh, an indictment of this administration. Oh, by the way, while, while I, I don't want to get rid of the Hunter Biden story too much, uh, Devin Archer's testimony, remember that testimony 
that happened, then it triggered another indictment of Mr. Trump. Devin Archer, the business partner of Hunter Biden, then he went on to sit with Tucker Carlson in some pretty incredible statements that really do show that Joe Biden was sitting with Hunter's business partners, talking to them, dining with them, the whole thing. It feels like CBS News may have broken away from the pack on this topic. It feels like CBS News may be doing journalism. And this wasn't Catherine Herridge. This was Weijia Zhang at CBS News. There are also um, oversight investigations going on. One of Hunter Biden's former business uh, partners has come out and testified that President Biden, while he was vice president, was actually on various phone calls in which Hunter Biden was dealing business overseas. And so that raises so many more questions, Margaret, about what the president knew, when he knew it, and whether he was involved, which of course he himself has always said he has known nothing about those business dealings and was certainly never involved. So one of the interesting moments in that little clip is when the CBS News reporter, Weijia Zhang, wanted to know what did Joe Biden know and when did he know it? That is a line that was frequently associated with Watergate. What did Joe Biden know and when did he know it? Stay tuned. If the press is turning, this is a big stinking deal. And if you didn't hear Catherine Herridge talking about Catherine Herridge also at CBS News, as I said, CBS News may have broken away from the woke pack, may have uh, decided that journalism actually is more important than making friends with the Democrats. Uh, this was Catherine Herridge yesterday after the announcement of the special counsel. Former federal prosecutor I spoke to just before this event said to me the appointment of a special counsel would have the effect of delaying a resolution on the Hunter Biden matter, in his opinion. And it would certainly delay any anticipated testimony from the U.S. attorney in Delaware to Republicans on Capitol Hill who have been seeking that testimony for several months. So it's an extraordinary development considering where the two parties were two weeks ago to wrap up this years-long case, now to the appointment of a special counsel that will have these broad authorities most importantly, to continue this ongoing investigation, Margaret. Let's hope. We shall hope. And I, I also hope that the House of Representatives has the ability to put its foot on the financial neck of the Department of Justice and tell them, you know, you got to get this guy out. He's got to speak to Congress. You have to remove him. He can't be the special counsel. It's going to be a tough one. But if they take the money away and he can't hire his friends to be part of his special counsel investigation, then maybe we get some action. But like I said, I'm dubious. I'm very, very dubious. All right. Let's uh, you know, we're not going to be able to get into too much tonight. Like I said, no radio show tonight here Saturday. I will be back with a looks like a full week of broadcast next week, possibly Monday, and for Chris Plant on WMAL. Then Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from noon till 3 p.m., I am in for Dom Giordano, the great Dom Giordano, and then Friday in for Rich Zioli, and then next Saturday night, a week from right now, I'll be back live on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT.
But we have things to do. We have talked to Dr. Michael Roizen of the Cleveland Clinic. He's next on the Pure Opelka podcast. All right, people, pay attention. Get out your notebooks and your pens, and let's, uh, let's make sure we get all this great information recorded so you can put it to work. Our friend, Dr. Michael Roizen from the Cleveland Clinic, also the guy behind the Great Age Reboot and LongevityPlaybook.com. The best work he's done in his life. He told me so. Longevityplaybook.com, where you should go and you should check out everything that's there so you can make yourself younger and live longer, but younger, too. It's kind of a cool thing. Dr. Roizen, welcome, my friend. My privilege. You find out your actual age. I didn't get find the, out how to how to make yourself younger. You're right. I didn't get the email yet on that, so I have to go back and check. Maybe it's in my spam folder, you know, because it sometimes <laughs> it goes there. Uh, Doc, before we get into the um, the research this week, which is I, a couple of the stories I know got you all excited. Before we get into that, uh, we have a question from a member of the audience. Actually, kind of a kind of a, a big week hoo ha, if you ask me. Uh, do you mind if I throw a question at you? I'm, I'm game. Okay. This comes from Shannon Bream, who is a TV host on Fox. She does a great show on Sundays, and she's a friend, full disclosure. I does know she her. live in Philadelphia? No, no. She lives in D.C. Actually, I think they live across the river in Virginia, but uh, her work is all out of Washington, D.C. She comes to New York all the time, and I used to go to both New York and D.C., so we ran into each other all the time, but just a great person. But she has a question for the health pros, she says. Which is better for your health and wellness if you have to choose? Do you go with A, six and a half hours of sleep and a workout, or seven and a half hours of good sleep? Well, the interesting thing is it depends if you can feel refreshed in six and a half hours. But the, the basic message is um, that oven by itself, sleep has a much smaller effect on your rate of aging um, as long as you're in the six and a half hour to 8.5 hours that six and a half hour to seven and a half hour is a much smaller effect than doing physical activity if you do the four components of physical activity in that period of time and don't just uh, look at the machines. You have to do one or the other? Yeah. Six and a half hours and a workout. Six and a half hours and a workout is in a long-term basis for your long-term health and, and holding off aging. The six and a half hours in a workout better than seven and a half hours. But what are those four components other than looking at the machines? <laughs> it is any activity. That is everything counts towards that 10,000 day step and step equivalence. Yeah. Resistance activity, uh, 20 minutes, two times a week, stressing the six core areas. Third is cardio 20 minutes, three times a week at 80% of your age adjusted max, which is 220 minus your age for guys. And it's close enough for women to be the same. Okay. And the fourth is 40 jumps, uh, 20 jumps morning, 20 jumps evening every day. Okay. I was doing 40 jumps in the morning, but I got to split it and, and I don't, it. we don't have good enough data to say that. Okay. Okay, so I, I, I'll just try and do 20 and 20, but maybe 40 at one time is good, right? Yes. Okay, great. So, Shannon Bream, there you go. 
six and a half hours of sleep and the workout long term better for you than that seven and a half hours of good sleep. Excellent. It's cool that uh, we can answer questions for the people. And if people want to send me questions, I'll uh, I'll gladly take them and and run them by Dr. Royzen when we have time. So thanks, Doc. That's excellent. All right, let's get into uh, the uh, the research this week. And uh, the two that you liked both deal with aromatherapy. Now, everybody throws the term aromatherapy around. What the heck is it? It is stimulating your olfactory nerve is, olf is aromatherapy. Mm -hmm. And there are supposed to be specific smells that are good for sleep or good for pain relief. Um, and those are ones that are tested. But in fact, in the best story of this week, randomized controlled trial looking at dementia. This is how well your brain functions and plaque development along the olfactory nerve, which is an early sign of developing cognitive dysfunction or Parkinson's disease. Um, and is present in those cases of where people do develop dementia, it reversed it. Really? That is six months of two hours of seven smells a night. One smell each night for a day of the week. So every Saturday was lavender and every Sunday was onion smell and every Monday was... Um, uh, Another smell. Like garlic, but, and then you can rotate smells, yeah, you too. you can do any smell to stimulate the olfactory nerve for this benefit. Wow. Um, now, um, was every night for six months compared to others who got none. So it's a special diffuser. You can get that at shopassense.com um, and probably other places. But it was a specific diffuser for um, two hours every night for seven nights. Now, by the way, if you go if you go to Las Vegas, you can go to the Staywell rooms at the MGM Grand, and many Mon, Ma, uh, Marriott Bonvoys have it, because um, we put them there. You're kidding. <laughs> no, no, we did this. Uh, they asked for ideas to make their places healthier, and we put, uh, so they, they actually have our diffusers in there. Um, we did this from the Cleveland Clinic, if you will. This is pretty cool. So, anyway, so, yeah, so it's, it, in about, it's in about 50,000 hotel rooms worldwide. Um, and anyway, so you can do a coffee smell or whatever. Well, um, I, I can think of all so, great smells. I like coffee, so, lemon, uh, like you said, lavender. Yeah. And, and do, does it count if you use, like, one of those uh, Glade air fresheners that puts out that kind of smell? Well, we don't know because this was a diffuser that, that pushed it out. Uh -huh. And um, you, the control was a diffuser that pushed out air, no smell. Okay. So that was the control group, but decreased plaque development decrease and improved cognitive function substantially compared to the change in the control group. Well, the fact that it reversed it is really incredible because that yep. plaque, you've told this us. This is a guy from UC Irvine who okay. did these studies. He showed this first in uh, mice and then in rats, I understand. 
The Japanese did a very small study showing this, and now he's done a bigger study. Wow. That, that is amazing. And, and for everybody who's wondering, Dr. Royson has told yeah. us that plaques on the nerve, those are indicators that, that, that dementia is on its way, and especially that olfactory nerve the, related to your smell. That's the one that tells your brain what smell is yeah. coming in. Uh, it, that's the early indicator. So this is uh, remarkable. But you also said that aromatherapy uh, therapy with peppermint oil was beneficial for heart surgery patients. Well, this was, again, a randomized controlled study looking at sleep and pain. They gave peppermint for a diffuser again, uh, essential oil, peppermint versus control. And again, this decreased the amount of pain therapy by about 25% of these people needed. Um, both opiates and non-steroidal anti-inflammatories and increased sleep time, their sleep quality on the St. Mary's Sweep Index by about 30%. That's huge. That is huge, and uh, it's critical to recovery from heart surgery, yep. I'm sure. That's so, amazing. Those are my two most favorite stories of the week. And, uh, Michael, unfortunately, I've got to go. Okay. I, uh, that um, is excellent. I apologize. No, so, no, uh, no, no. We'll we do it again. we got two good stories, but I'll save a couple more for you for next week. Dr. Rosen, thank you. Dr. Michael Rosen of the Cleveland Clinic. Go to longevityplaybook.com, longevityplaybook.com, and uh, get yourself on the path to being a younger and better living you. Thanks, Doc. My privilege. And there goes Dr. Rosen. How about we get Jim Stovall in here and wrap this up with a little winner's wisdom time to have a chat with our friend jim stovall jim is not just a great writer and a motivational speaker he's also an innovator uh, a blind man who has created a way for people who are also visually challenged to be able to enjoy movies and television he's written more than 50 books himself five of those turned into movies he's a philanthropist and he hangs out with us as well to talk about his weekly Winner's Wisdom column. Jim, welcome back, my friend. It is always good to be with you. Well, um, I, I hope so, and and because uh, I feel the same way, and each week uh, I learn something, I usually laugh, and this week the topic of the column, the Winner's Wisdom column that people can get at jimstoval.com is uh, laughing at ourselves, which I think should be a required class at every um, higher education institution in this country. I think every college, every professional school needs to teach a class in laughing at ourselves and the, the value of self-deprecation. Yeah, we seem to have lost that in our society, and people are just so quick to get offended. And, you know, we need to be able to laugh at ourselves and laugh at one another and uh, not take life too seriously. Uh, you know, I spoke uh, yesterday at a convention for uh, a uh, number of teachers and school administrators, hundreds and hundreds of them. They're getting ready to start a school year. And I said, you know, among the other many things you should teach your children is uh, how, to, how to laugh a little bit. This is just not that serious. I mean, you know... Uh, um, you know, eighth grade geometry is not going to make or break your life. And a lot of us are very grateful for that. And, you know, and I, but, but right in the middle of my speech, you know, I realized that uh, most of these people 
have never been around a blind guy, and they're really nervous, and uh, you know they don't want to say anything bad or whatever. So I, I make several jokes about it. I I tell about a story when I met a deaf guy backstage and uh, the the calamity we had, and <laughs> you know, and I always tell him I, I'm wireless today, and uh, normally in the arena events I'm wired down, and you know, on a bad day I can wipe out two or three rows. So uh, you know, you people down front, you know, stay 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 really alert, and because uh, it could be bad, and. You know, and then, uh, you know, in the column we talked about uh, the late, great Don Rickles. I got to see him several times and interview him, and it just, you know, it, it is sad because that would not be acceptable today. And he would come out and make fun of everybody, and it was a big status thing if he made fun of you, you know. he When I interviewed him, he told me he used to, when he first started out, he was playing a lot of these nightclubs that were owned by, you know, crime figures and i mean scary people and he said you know they would sit there on the front row with their uh entourage whatever that is and uh, and he said you know you stay away from them and he said after the first show one night a guy comes backstage you know and there's really scary guy and he said hey i got a problem with you you went through that whole show you didn't make fun of my girlfriend (laughs) and i'm trying to get a good good impression here and act like a big deal and he said, uh, you know, you better make fun of my girlfriend in the next show, you know, because we can't, you know, and Rickles would do that. But then what was amazing, Mike, at the end of every show, he would come down to the apron of the stage right down front and he would say, folks, look, this is all fun. We're just having fun here. And he said, I'm a Jew. And I went through World War II. I saw the Nazi concentration camps. And, you know, I understand what happens. But he said, the one thing I know is that when we're laughing, we can't be hating anybody at the same time. So, you know, it, you know in this week's column, I, I took the liberty of quoting some great historical figures and how they made fun of one another. And, uh, you know, my, one of my favorites is George Bernard Shaw sent Churchill an invitation. It says, uh, Mr. Churchill, my my new play is opening tomorrow night. Here are two tickets. Bring a friend if you have one. <laughs> well, Churchill writes him back and says, uh, can't possibly come opening night. I'll come the second night if there is one. You know, and these kind of things, you know, it's just, wow, it's just fun and it's very liberating. And, you know, you know, as you know, we're in the middle of making uh, my book, Will to Win, about Will Rogers into a movie right now. And, you know, that's a skill he had 100 years ago to, you know, make fun of politicians, both sides. He was an equal opportunity uh, satirist. But, uh, you know, we have lost the ability to joke and make fun of each other. And it's a sad situation. It's a sad situation that is easily remedied, though. This is one of those one of those problems in society that we can grab right right in front of us and change by example. You know, I, I see it every week on the golf course. We break each other's stones, if you will, uh, by insulting each other, and you wait for the comeback. The easy shot is not the fun. It's to see how somebody responds. And there is the area that is part of my, my posse that gets rid of all the stress in my life when, when we're shooting back and forth, doing the dozens, as they used to say, in the old neighborhood. And I, I really think we've missed it. And you brought up something earlier about how quick we are to be offended. It's about three years ago, all of this craziness and easily offended stuff hit me and I said, you know what, there's an entire class of people that we need to identify as offendanistas, people who wake up every day 
uh, look for something to be angry about and then light their hair on fire and run around screaming about it. And I wrote that definition and on a whim sent it to the Urban Dictionary and there it is, immortalized for all digital eternity. My uh, contribution to the lexicon of the Urban Dictionary and my, my dream, Jim, as you have pointed out with so many great examples here from Churchill to Shaw to Groucho Marx to uh, Lady Astor and Churchill going back and forth and Lincoln. My, my dream is that the offendanistas die out because they've converted to people who understand the value of self-deprecation and the value, the importance, the need for laughter. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you just look at this and you realize, well, you know, what a blessing. You know, Groucho Marx at the end of a party told the hostess, he said, I've had a wonderful evening. Unfortunately, this wasn't it. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, you can't say that. to You know, even Groucho Marx, being Groucho Marx, would not say that to someone he didn't love and care about. You, you know, and, uh, you know and, and Mike, the only reason I, I do this interview every week with you is because you're the world's greatest target. I mean, <laughs> not making fun of Mike Opelka would be wasting a natural resource. You just can't do that. It, it, would, it would just be wrong. And I know that if I've gotten the Stovall shot sometime during, during our small chats, that uh, I have made it, just as if I, I recounted to you the only time I met Don Rickles and I was in his presence up close and personal for about 30 seconds, and he was introduced to me, and I to him, we shook hands, and uh, he goes, how you doing, kid? And I said, could you do me a favor? And he goes, sure. And he reached for his, his wallet or his pocket, I guess, for money. And I said, no, I just want you to call me a hockey puck. And he did. And that's all I needed, Jim. I was validated for the rest of my life. Don Rickles oh, yeah. called me a hockey well, puck. Well, Mike, I want you to know that I always will consider you a hockey puck. And, <laughs> you know, and talking to you each week is like having a battle of wits with an unarmed man. It's just a, it's just a, it's a, it's a reprieve in my day. I feel like I'm the Stovall sparring partner, the tomato can who's they put there to make sure you've got all your steps in, all your punches in. So when you get into the real ring, you are ready and, and your, uh, your muscles are in good shape. And I appreciate it every week. Our friend Jim Stovall's column is online. You can get it. It'll also show up in your inbox if you go to jimstovall.com. And then you hang out with us every week, wherever I am, and uh, you'll, you'll hear us break it down. Jim, thank you for all the laughs, especially in this week's column, and all the great information, my friend. Thank you, sir. We'll talk next week.